0: This is Finding Your Venture, episode number three. Today we're gonna introduce the most important mental model in the course. The thing that makes this course unique versus every other entrepreneurship course that you're gonna take. The idea is it's harder to find a good customer than it is to build a good product. Think about that for a minute. Let me know if you agree. I hope by the end of this episode that you're gonna feel liberated and empowered by this mental model. And as you're gonna hear, the cost of customer acquisition is the thing that sinks most startups. Startups don't fail because they can't build a good product, they fail because they can't acquire customers inexpensively enough to make a go of it as a business. And that's why we force you to acquire a customer first in this course. So you do the hardest thing first and then everything else feels easier as you go. Most people don't approach a new business this way and a lot of them succeed anyway, so it's not the only way to go. But have you ever met somebody that keeps pitching a good idea and it sounds like a promising thing, but the business doesn't go anywhere? I have and I've totally been that person too. And it feels bad. And at some point your business starts feeling like a burden that you're carrying around. We're all taught that determination is good, which is true, but sometimes your allegiance to an idea makes you rigid, and it becomes a disadvantage. And so you don't see how you could modify it or change course and find greater success. So the feel good message here is liberate yourself from the tyranny of a good idea and start with a customer instead. sounds kind of obvious when I say it to people, but I first learned this approach from my teacher at Babson College, a guy named Bob Caspi. Bob really pushed us to think differently. Bob's advice liberated me from this oppressive mythology that I had to be a visionary, that I had to be Steve Jobs. And it put the emphasis on things that I could control and go out and do. talking to people, and it made me feel very empowered to go out and start something. So rather than try to just communicate the things that Bob taught me, I asked Bob to come and share a couple stories himself that illustrate this mental model and how it can benefit a new entrepreneur. Bob Caspi was originally an electrical engineer who became the founder and CEO at several successful technology firms, including Leaf Systems, CDA, Sound Vision. He helped build one of the first digital cameras, and then he taught entrepreneurial marketing at Babson College for seven years starting in 2005, which is how I met him. Without Bob, I never would have started Heatspring, my first company, and his influence on my life is a big reason that I decided to teach. So all right, I'm going to turn it over to Bob. Let's listen really carefully to the examples and then try to see the subtlety of what he's saying and and why it's so important.
1: You know, The challenge for most students and especially those that have not yet entered the workplace, is that their frame of reference is limited. They are mostly consumers and their frame of reference of business is as a consumer. And so most of their ideas center around being a consumer and uh, and looking for a consumer product that they themselves would be interested in having. So. I found it both remarkable and humorous that 80% of the ideas in undergraduates were about drinking. They were alcoholic, (laughs) new kinds of alcohol, new kinds of alcoholic beverages, and then the other 20% were new ways to get sober more quickly, (laughs) right, And, and remove headaches. And it would be the same businesses over and over again. Each class would come with the same, you know, did you know that you could ferment old socks and create a drink that is popular in Kazakhstan and we can bring it here to America. And and, and that was the content of, uh, of a lot of the business models. And so one of the challenges to young entrepreneurs is that their frame of reference doesn't typically look at B2B, at what businesses need to improve. And yet my experience after too many years of existence on the planet is that it's hard to find a business that, does not need innovation to improve its internal operation. And one of the things that I'm kind of studying now more recently is this more general question of how do large corporations grow? What is it that they do? And there are, Several very distinct strategies. A friend of mine that I'm working with right now refers to these strategies as horizons. He, he says there's a horizon one strategy, horizon two strategy, etc. And the horizon one strategy is typically centered around improving what you have, making it work better. So If you have a product and you sell it in the U.S., maybe looking outside the U.S. and and extending it to Europe or to Latin America. Or if you have a lot of customers and one product, then adding a second product, because the cost of customer acquisition is lower if you try to sell to your existing customers. And so... You grow by adding products and you could think of that as being kind of those two things as being kind of orthogonal to one another in one case. On the vertical axis is how many customers you have and on the horizontal axis is how many products you have and you could try to pull your business to extend it horizontally or try to pull it to extend it vertically. And the third method is to just take what you're doing and find greater efficiency so that you could lower prices, lower your costs and then potentially Uh, Either just take more profit if your costs are lower or lower your prices. And if there's elasticity in your volume, increase your market share and your volume by achieving a lower price point in the marketplace. And, And that's another way to grow. And companies are constantly trying to do these things. They're constantly trying to either add new customers or add new products or find uh, inefficiencies within their current process and unfortunately for most of the entrepreneurs uh, aspiring entrepreneurs they don't have enough experience with corporations to sense any of those three adequately they don't sense a need for a particular market share opportunity a need for a particular product opportunity or a need for finding inefficiencies within the within the operation There was a case study that I found in Brazil where uh, the largest, the most successful business school in Brazil, they're in Belo Horizonte, was approached by Fiat. And they said, help us through one of those processes. And uh, the school came up with, the business school came up with a process and they created these small uh, teams, probably, I don't recall the details, but let's say five persons per team and 10 teams. And... Each team was multidisciplinary, it had one engineer, it had one finance person, it had one HR person, it had one marketing person. And then they sent the teams into the company into different departments and said, go interview people and find inefficiencies and then pretend you're a startup and pretend that the venture capitalist is essentially uh, a group of members of the C-suite and present it as a business model and try to write from a pro forma point of view, what it will cost to develop the solution, uh, what the impact of the solution will be on the P&L of the company uh, and we'll fund the, the best three. And so they did like 10 groups of five, you know, 10 groups of three, they had like 30 businesses, they uh, sat through the presentations, and I think they funded five, as I recall, and three of the five were Perfectly and produced efficiencies for the company. And if you look at that process, the entrepreneur is in a position where they could do that process or participate in that process. As an external person, they're not tied into the day-to-day requirements of the company, but they have the opportunity to bring in some objectivity, to interview people within the organization, to understand where there are inefficiencies, the and then to propose a solution.
0: Okay, that process Bob just described at the bank in Brazil, that's exactly what we try to replicate in this course going into an existing business, getting to understand it, and identify new opportunities for products and solutions, designing those products and solutions, and then selling them back to the company. That's exactly how we try to de-risk this cost of customer acquisition. So next, Bob's going to give one more example of doing this, and he's going to sort of drive home the thesis point, which is if you can sidestep that cost of customer acquisition uncertainty, you have a much better shot at building a successful business out of the gate.
1: And as again, as a case example, one of my students from Brazil again, her father had a business which was to buy and resell decorative art items for people's homes. And she went to, at my urging, she went and interviewed her dad and and looked at the business and discovered the chaos in the shipping department that people would, they were putting objects into boxes and not clearly labeling them. They'd scribble on the outside of the box The guy that was responsible for the shipping would put the box in the wrong truck, the truck went to the wrong house, then the people would call and say, that's not what I ordered. Then the truck would have to go back. And the amount of money that they were putting into just crappy logistics in the connection between finished items and, and customers was significant enough that she could propose a barcode solution. We're going to print these little barcode labels. We're going to put them on the outside of the box. We're going to get a little barcode scanner for the shipping guy, the guy that drives the trucks, uh, and we're going to coordinate the process of the destination. We're going to build a mini version of what UPS does or what FedEx does. And she, being more technically literate than her, dad and the C-suite of this company, she could bring in this innovation and get it funded and implemented as a way to improve their bottom line and potentially be used to improve their market share in a way that entrepreneurs could do all over the world to the businesses that they can get access to, that may be their parents' business or their brother's business or their uncle's business or their best friend's parents' business. That is a process by which they can identify business opportunities and pursue them And most importantly, not have to go and raise venture capital and not have to suffer the marketing costs of trying to find the first customers for a product that may have been well conceived or ill conceived, but for which the marketing investment represents the biggest risk for their business. And as an engineer who's run technical businesses the numbers that we tended to learn and believe were true was that 90% of the investment in a product was marketing and sales investment and 10% was product development. So the product development is the easiest piece. It is identifying customers cost effectively, not just identifying, but identifying them and engaging with them cost effectively. That's the single largest barrier to the development of a new business. And and even if the development of, of a new alcoholic beverage from fermented socks, even if it was a good idea and the product was good, the challenge of competing against uh, leaders and current existing participants in the alcohol development and distribution market and getting shelf space and mind share within the retail marketplace and within the, whether it be bars and restaurants or liquor stores. The challenge of marketing and establishing a product is so overwhelming that most entrepreneurs don't even think about it until after they've gone and made their first batch of sock boost. And at that point, uh, the cost of it and difficulty of it dwarfs the difficulty and challenges of creating the product. And The entrepreneur was ill-served by starting product first.
0: Bob, I know so many people who have been empowered by your message over the years. I'm one of those people. I'm really grateful that you came on and shared your stories and your perspective. And before we go, I want you to hear about my friend Rishi's really awesome and practical CFE course. My name is Rishi Ryan. I teach e-commerce entrepreneurship. And the reason to take my class is if you've ever been interested in selling something online, whether it's a product, whether it's a service, or if you sell something in person and you need to learn how to extend it online or understand how they interact, then this is a class to learn from and participate in, whether you just have an idea, whether you have an existing business, or whether you have an inkling and you just want to learn a little bit more about it. This is the class for you. This has been Finding Your Venture podcast episode number three. The next episode is four in the series of 13. We're going to talk to Brooke Boyle, founder of Engage, about the power of good customer discovery. She's got such an interesting story, and I hope you'll join me to hear it.